just you and me, guys. No JB. It's, it's going to be a lonely show, uh, unless he can figure out his tech issues. Uh, he is uh, coming remotely in uh, in a little bit here. Uh, but what would a season be without technical difficulties, or a show for that matter? Uh, we'll have him on very soon. Uh, in fact, because of the way uh, everything worked this week, we're going to have Crunch Time read live. I'm going to do it live, folks. You want to see me screw up badly and flub things up? You want to see what we cut every week? It's going to be in the show. Guaranteed. This will not go smoothly. But we're going get to get you a Crunch Time while JB figures out things. we got some great guests coming up today. And so stay tuned here. It's live and it's going to go off the absolute rails on this one. I, I, I've got to think this. Uh, we are here on, in the huddle. And uh, get ready, folks. Fasten that seatbelt. JB says he's on, he's not on, I'm on. And uh, I can't give you a 30,000 foot view, that wouldn't be right, that, that's JB's job. So uh, we will be talking here again about a week 12 action, which is the first round of the playoffs. We'll give you a second round preview uh, live, uh, crunch time, uh, interviews uh, with Luke Lanon and Zach Boys. Uh, you know, there's a common link there, we'll talk a little bit about it later. Uh, not just quarterbacks in uh, the second round of the playoffs coming up here but more or less uh, let's think about the youth and success with that youth that we've seen over these uh, last uh, or, well for Luke Lane especially last uh, couple of years before this year Zach Boy's last year coming into this year so it's uh, gonna be an interesting uh, discussion and an interesting show to say the least we're gonna do it live I will tell you right off the bat, as I have to clear my throat here to even do this, <clears throat> excuse me for doing that, folks, uh, that we uh, don't have many video clips from the upper left-hand bracket because three of the schools decided to purge their video early. We did uh, have some success getting uh, video from other schools when we had caught the fact. So you're going to see uh, basically clips from uh, the bottom left, upper right, lower right brackets, and then just one game from the upper left. But you'll see what we mean. Coming up right now. Folks, here we go. I'm a little bit mortified at the fact I'm doing this, but we're going to go. This is crunch time for week number 12 of the 2023 Division Three college football season. We're going to start out with scores. Minnesota Morris went in uh, to UW Lacrosse with not much success. 62 to 7 final score there. Kaiser Heltebrand, 13 for 14, 175 yards, four passing touchdowns. Gregory Omen uh, from Minnesota Morris, 14 tackles, two 
tackles for loss and a, a, a gallant attempt on defense there for Minnesota Morris, but UW Lacrosse advances 62-7 to and moves to 10-1. And then Aurora will come in to face them as they beat Coe 20-7. Tyler Adkins, 332 passing yards, or total yards, excuse me, passing touchdown, two interceptions. Jack Shaw, the 100-yard interception return for touchdown you may have seen on our show on Saturday. Aurora advances 20-7. So that's it uh, for scores for a second here. Let's go to the game highlights here. Trinity hosted Hardin-Simmons. First quarter, 6.52 left. Ryan Merrifield, a 15-yard touchdown pass from Tucker Horn, made it 7-0 early on in this game. We'll advance just about a full quarter later, and it's Ryan Merrifield, a 19-yard touchdown pass from Tucker Horn. Great catch there by him. 14-0, Trinity led the game. We're going to go to a point at the end of the first half. Trinity looked to add on for, to that 14-0 lead at this uh, point coming up here. And with nine seconds left, Tucker Horn is able to pass it complete to Caleb Crawford, but they say he was not in the end zone and the time expired in the half. So 14-0 on that missed opportunity at the end of the half. But still, fourth quarter we're going to advance to here. 9.36 left, Tyler Huddle. A 34-yard field goal is true, 17-0 at that point. Then the defense of this Trinity team, they really took over at various points of this game. Here is Galen Glenn getting sacked for a loss, and the fumble occurs as well. That's recovered by Mir Mustafa, and that gives Trinity the ball. 7.29 left fourth quarter. You're going to see coming up here in a moment after you see the celebration. And uh, actually, you should pay attention as the gut is being uh, bounced there just a little bit. We have Tyler Huddle with a 43-yard field goal, 729 left in the fourth quarter, 20-0. Trinity leading. Colton Marshall uh, with a fourth and two coming up in a second here. Uh, this was Harden-Simmons' last real chance in the game to try to come back and do something. And fourth and two on the direct snap is no good there. And the final score ends up being Trinity 20-6 to as Tucker Horn threw for 23 for 29. 300 yards, two passing touchdowns. The Trinity defense held Harden-Simmons to minus three rushing yards. In a moment, we're going to go back to just the scoreboard here, and we'll tell you a little bit more about Bellhaven and North Central, which is a one-sided affair. 65-0, North Central won the game. It was Luke Lanin with 221 total yards, three passing, one rushing touchdown, and the North Central offense outgained Bellhaven 575 to 125 yards. That was what, about 4.5 to 1 in total yardage in that game. We're going to go back to video here for the rest of the uh, 12 games that we've got. And it's going to start up here with Illinois College at Wartburg in the lower left bracket. And that'll be coming up in just a moment here. Remember uh, that we are go naming them by brackets by team name in the, each one. This is the Wartburg bracket. And here we go as Turbo for Wartburg. Hunter Clausen gets a 53-yard touchdown run with 9.53 left first quarter to make it 7-0 in favor of Wartburg. That's uh, going to be uh, buffeted by a, a Carter Henry 19-yard touchdown pass from Nile McLaughlin with 247 left first quarter to make it 14-0 Wartburg. Illinois College would try to come back. 128 left first quarter. Colin Brunstein, a 60-yard pass from Destin Chance, made it 14-7. 
but eventually Wartburg would take control. Niall McLaughlin with a one yard touchdown run, 12-15 left second quarter made it 21-7 and the defense would also be heard from in this game by Wartburg. About 40 seconds later you're going to see Nate Link with this fumble recovery, ultimately the catch, there's the fumble and the recovery. The scoop and score is good to make it 28-7 Wartburg. Then 10 seconds left in the first half, it's Carter Henry again. A 17-yard touchdown pass from Niall McLaughlin made it 42-7. And that would pretty much, uh, well, it wouldn't do it. It would be 49-14 final, I should say. Colin Brunstein, 15 catches, 147 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Niall McLaughlin for Wartburg, 21 for 34, 252 yards, three passing, and one rushing touchdown. Then Chapman facing Whitworth. It was... 621 left first quarter when Chapman's Gio Ursino gets a five-yard touchdown run to tie the game. Seven to seven. Then Whitworth comes back with the score. 1105 left in the second quarter. It was Solomon Hines, a three-yard touchdown run, 14 to 7. Whitworth led. Chapman wasn't done though in the first half. 104 left coming up here in that second quarter. And it's Luke Peterman getting his 12-yard touchdown run. What a scamper by him here to tie up the game 14 apiece. They uh, say he just clipped it in there, and he got it for that 14-14 tie. But just before halftime, you're going to see Whitworth Solomon Hines again with a one-yard touchdown run to make it 21-14 in favor of Whitworth. Then we'll go to the fourth quarter, 46 seconds into it. Solomon Hines gets a 66-yard touchdown pass, mostly on the run, from Austin Ewing. And that would give Whitworth ultimately the 42-28 win. Luke Peterman, a 19 for 27 day, 236 yards, two passing, one rushing touchdowns. Austin Ewing, 28 for 36 for Whitworth, 414 yards, two passing touchdowns. Catching back up here, it's uh, Mount St. Joseph at Wheaton. A minute and a half into the game, Mariano McKenzie, a 62-yard touchdown run for Mount St. Joseph's, makes it 7-0 in favor of them. Then watch this coming up, the ensuing kickoff. Uh, this was you know, just a disastrous start for Wheaton in this game as it's going to be eventually fumbled by Riley Howard, forced by Ari Turner, recovered by Marcel Tucker of Mount St. Joseph. They would go up 14-0 eventually after this turnover, but then Wheaton would come back in this game. As you'll see, they sort out the mess here uh, on this uh, fumble that led to 14-0 and give it to Mount St. Joseph. So for 7.04 left first quarter, Giovanni Weeks gets uh, the first of his many touchdowns in this game, ends up being a 23-yard touchdown rush for him. 14-7 would be the score. Nice leap there, Giovanni, as uh, he found out he was a semifinalist for the Glory Trophy earlier this week. Then, speaking of Weeks, Here's Giovanni Weeks again, second quarter, 13-34 left. It's a 20-yard touchdown run by Giovanni Weeks to make it 14-14. Mount St. Joseph, though, was game still in this game. Second quarter coming up, 11-27 left in that second quarter. And you're going to see Josh Taylor coming up here with a really effective 46-yard touchdown run going to his left side and seeing nothing but daylight with that speed. My goodness. We'll uh, definitely uh, be looking at that one a couple of times probably later on in this show. But uh, that made it 21-14, Mount St. Joseph at that point. 
Wheaton, though, would respond two minutes later, five plays later, Giovanni Weeks. This time, look at him go. A 48-yard touchdown run. His third touchdown of the game. The third touchdown for Wheaton. Made it 21 apiece. Wheaton and Mount St. Joseph tied. At the end of this first half, though, five seconds left. Ben Bonga would give Wheaton its first lead of the game as he gets a six-yard touchdown pass from Ben Thorson to make it 28-21 Wheaton. Eventually, it would be 31-28 Wheaton late in the third quarter when Mount St. Joseph would continue to try their attempt at uh, winning this game here. Josh Taylor, a two-yard touchdown run coming up on this play. That made the score 34-31 Mount St. Joseph. So they were far from done in this game, Mount St. Joseph was. We're going to go to the fourth quarter, a minute and a half into the fourth quarter. Mateo Jesk gets a 33-yard field goal to tie things up. This game was uh, basically going in either direction, and as the train goes by, 34-34, I'll tell you, five and a half minutes later, a fourth touchdown by Giovanni Weeks. This from eight yards out made it 41-34 in favor of Wheaton. One of the best games in the one o'clock Eastern slot that we had for sure. And then you're gonna see the defense here as Mount St. Joseph looked ready to tie this game. You're gonna see a big play by the Wheaton defense as Josh Taylor tries to throw the ball, but it is broken up by Jaden Frilita and intercepted by Gage Autry Nice catch there, Gage, and that would pretty much do it in this game as Wheaton wins 41-34. Josh Taylor, 290 total yards, one passing, two rushing touchdowns. Giovanni Weeks, 38 rushes, 256 yards, and four rushing touchdowns. My goodness. We will continue as Bethel visited Whitewater. First quarter, three minutes into the game, Stephen Hine, a 49-yard touchdown pass from Alec Ogden, made it 7-0 in favor of Whitewater. Get used to that team leading this game as it was pretty much a one-sided affair. 3.44 left first quarter, Nick Wind, a 32-yard touchdown pass from Alec Ogden, who was on the run there, you saw him rolling way left, but getting the pass off for a 14-0 lead. Bethel would try to come back here. Second quarter, 3.55 left. They were down 21-0 at this point. But Joey Kidder eventually gets a four-yard touchdown run to make it a 21-7 game. About two minutes later, you'll see pretty much all you need to see for the rest of this game as it will be Tommy Coates coming into your picture from 54 yards out from Alec Ogden and watch this just convoy of Whitewater offensive players break him free for a 28-7 lead. Whitewater wins this game 42-14. Joey Kidder, 17 rushes, 68 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Alec Ogden, uh, 289 total yards, four passing touchdowns on the day. We'll go to the upper right bracket now as Alfred State faced Mount Union in what played out to be an interesting game. Three and a half minutes into the first quarter, Tyrell Sanders gets a 13-yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk to make it 7-0, Mount Union leading. About three minutes later, though, something happens here as Jazir Francois gets a 20-yard touchdown pass from Justin Horvath for Alfred State. And that would tie things up. Nice catch there, a nice pass. 7-7 is the score at that point. Now, Mount Union would eventually get out of the first quarter up 28 to seven, but we're gonna go to the second quarter here. About two minutes, two and a half minutes into the second quarter, 
Justin Horvath again showing his arm as Ben Ba gets a 15-yard touchdown pass from him to make it 28-14. That's how we go to halftime. 28-14 would be the score at that point at halftime. And really, it took a full quarter before Mount Union got back on the scoreboard. Uh, DeAndre Parker here, a seven-yard touchdown run, three, third quarter, 11-23 left, made it 35-14. And then a familiar face will come into your picture about seven minutes later in this game. As Parker is celebrating his touchdown run there, you're going to see a celebration from Wayne Ruby Jr., a 61-yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk. And that made the score 42-14. Final score, a little deceiving in this game, 56-14, Mount Union wins. Justin Horvath, 117 yards passing, two passing touchdowns. DeAndre Parker, 20 rushes, 131 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Next up, it's DePaul at Alma. First quarter, nine seconds into it, Jerome Roberson gets a 21-yard scoop and score for Alma to start things off. They eventually would go up here 8-0, not 7-0, as Gage Kruger would end up getting the rush into the uh, end zone to uh, get the conversion. So again, 8-0, Alma leading. But first quarter, 3-12 left, Robbie Ballantyne gets a two-yard touchdown pass from Nathan McCahill. Makes it an 8-7 Alma lead at that point. Alma, though, resilient in this game. Two minutes later, you're going to see a run coming up here by Jordan Williams. A 13-yard run, in fact to make it a 15-7 lead for Alma. And the Scots were feeling it here as uh, they exited the first quarter up that 15-7 score, and they would be heard from again in the second quarter, 9.43 left, Carter St. John, a seven-yard touchdown run. The, the I caps an 11-play, 90-yard drive to make it 22-7, Alma leading. They led 25-14 at halftime, we'll go to the third quarter. Joseph Sullivan, 8.33 left, gets a 22-yard field goal for DePaul to make it a one-possession game, 25-17. So, getting closer, but Alma's Devin Frenchko gets a 66-yard touchdown pass from Carter St. John to take a 32-17 lead, and that would end up being your final score in this game as the last quarter and a half, essentially, was scoreless. 32-17 Alma, Nathan McCahill from DePaul, 32 for 55, 280 yards, one passing touchdown and interception. Devin Frenchko, three catches, 96 yards, one receiving touchdown for Alma. And they will advance to Mount Union. Cortland at Endicott, great game here. 351 left, second quarter, Jaden Alfano St. John gets a six-yard touchdown run to make it 17-7 in favor of the Red Dragons. The teams would trade field goals in the second or third quarter, so eventually 20-10 Cortland late in the third quarter. And then Endicott has a, a pair we've heard a lot from this season, Clayton Marenghi to Shane Alward, 69-yard touchdown pass here coming up and just slips through and speed there at that point. That made it 20-17, Cortland still leading the game. After a field goal though, eventually 23-17, Cortland leading late in the fourth. Then we'll see here, as uh, they try to come back, Endicott fumbles the ball as Javier Cosme Diaz fumbles to, uh, it looks like uh, Caleb Paul for Cortland getting on top of the ball, and that would be Cortland's possession. But watch what happens on the other side of the ball. as. Cortland trying to put the game away, fourth and two. Zach Boys fumbles the ball, 
and ultimately it's going to be Endicott getting the ball back because they couldn't get the two yards on that. Eventually four seconds left. Clayton Marenghi, last chance here. Misses everybody. Incomplete. Cortland wins the game and advances 23-17. to Shane Allward, five catches, 119 yards, two receiving touchdowns. Zach Boys, 229 total yards, one rushing touchdown in the game. Coming up next here, uh, we only got a few clips from this game, but we're going to show them uh, to you what we got here. First off, we're going to show you in this Grove City-Susquehanna game the blocked field goal at the end of the first half. It was 7-7 at this point, and Grove City was blocked. Keith Green III, a 72-yard return for the touchdown, made it 14-7. Susquehanna had that lead at halftime. Eventually, though, here's the, the prayer at the end of the game. Fourth down. Touchdown, Grove City, Ryan Leonard from Logan Pfeiffer. And we're going to show you also that the extra point, this was 20 to 20 at this point. The extra point comes in as good. 21 to 20. It was the first time Susquehanna, or that, excuse me, that Grove City led all game long. And then the ensuing attempt here by Susquehanna with seven seconds left. And you're going to see them pitch the ball around to no avail as it was Grove City winning this game 21 to 20 Keith Green the third with that block return for a touchdown Clayton Parrish 21 rushes 122 yards two rushing touchdowns for Grove City they will advance to uh, travel to Cortland on Saturday after that big win lower right bracket time as Westcon visited Johns Hopkins Western Connecticut was game in this game. Uh, 156 left first quarter. Deshaun Allen, a 73-yard touchdown pass from Keon Jones. Made it 14-13. Hopkins leading, but still, I mean, a close game at the end of the first quarter. So we'll advance to the second quarter in this game as Jess Schrader gets a 26-yard touchdown run for Hopkins to make it 21-13 in favor of Johns Hopkins. And we'll continue here. 6.15 left, second quarter. It's Andrew Rich getting a four-yard touchdown run for Hopkins, making it 28-13. But Westcon not done. As the, that pair we just talked about a little bit ago, in the, the second quarter, 4.47 left, a Sean Allen receiving a 74-yard touchdown pass from Keon Jones. On the money there and on the run was Deshaun Allen. 28-20, they trailed Johns Hopkins. But Hopkins with... A minute three left in the second quarter. Andrew Rich gets another touchdown run. Oh, and our uh, unfortunately, our uh, crunch time uh, just uh, decided to stop working there. So we'll get that fixed up uh, in a moment for you. And still not seeing JB uh, with us here. So uh, we'll get that uh, hopefully resolved as well for you folks. As I, I know uh, you miss JB, but... We're going to go at this time uh, back to, give, you, give me one moment, our uh, intro screen, and we'll be right back.
Okay, and we're back here. Uh, JB's still struggling uh, to get on here uh, with us, but uh, we will uh, keep working with him, try to get him uh, back on the show again. Uh, we are live here, and we're just getting our crunch time fixed up to get you the uh, very end of what happened uh, in uh, our week 12 action. That'll take a minute or two. Again, coming up later in the show, Luke Lanen, uh, junior quarterback from North Central, will be joining us, as well as Zach Boys, junior quarterback from Cortland. Uh, both of them uh, found out that they were uh, or are uh, Gillardi Trophy semifinalists, and uh, we'll see their reactions uh, to that as well. Uh, we're going to make sure uh, throughout the show uh, we try to give you uh, that list of uh, Gillardi finalists or semifinalists. Uh, the finalists will be selected on December 7th uh, on a uh, show that Pat Coleman and I will uh, co-host uh, through d3football.com. And we will name the uh, finalists at that point in time. So you'll want to join us for that for sure. Uh, I, for those that don't know, uh, coverage-wise this weekend, I will be at uh, North Central as uh, Trinity North Central, a big game coming up uh, for uh, this weekend. In fact, on my ballot, Trinity number three, North Central number one. Probably matchups that shouldn't occur in the first, uh, you know, uh, or second round, excuse me, of the uh, playoffs, but it is what it is. And uh, then we uh, also have, I think, Pat Coleman heading out. I, I can't remember which game he said he was going to. It might be the uh, Whitewater game uh, versus Wheaton, uh, if I had to guess uh, on that one. So uh, you'll see coverage. And also Keith McMillan, I believe, is going to be attending the Ithaca-Randolph-Macon game uh, this weekend. So d3football.com and in the huddle we'll have coverage from a few of the games uh, in this playoff bracket. Uh, I'll be on Twitter. Pat usually uh, tweets as well. And I'm sure Keith will be tweeting from the sidelines at Randolph Macon. So stay tuned for all that. Just about ready to get our uh, crunch time finished up here. Uh, basically what happened, it encoded uh, not the entire file. So uh, we're just uh, finishing that up here. And that should take one more minute. Um, one thing as uh, we uh, do this, though, so I will get our uh, scoreboard up here and read a couple notes here that JV would be reading with me. Uh, all four higher seeds, home teams, uh, win in advance in the lacrosse bracket, uh, which uh, kind of, uh, you know, expected thing with a chalk season that we had here. Round two will be a clash of the uh, D3FB Titans and the games that will be coming up this weekend. Aurora versus uh, Whitewater Lacrosse and Trinity versus North Central. So uh, big games coming up, obviously, uh, this weekend. Uh, in that bracket, especially that Trinity North Central game, but don't overlook Aurora Lacrosse as that should be a splendid game as well. Uh, I'm curious to see if Aurora can put up points against Lacrosse's defense. Uh, that's going to be kind of the story as Aurora has struggled at times uh, toward the end of the season with injuries uh, to get the normal amount of points that they're used to scoring in their games. And uh, also from uh, the lower left, and here we go with uh, another sweep by the home teams and higher seeds in the lower left. Uh, it, Illinois College is uh, wide receiver Colin Brunstein ends the 2023 season second all-time with 2,151 receiving yards and 30 receiving touchdowns in a Division III season. Wow, that's incredible. Also, Wheaton's uh, Brent, Ben Thorson, what kind of season has he had? He's only thrown one interception this season. It was versus Mount St. Joseph earlier this season. That's incredible, to say the least. Okay, I believe uh, we are going to have 
if you give me a moment here, the rest of crunch time, I think, he said. Well, maybe not. It really doesn't want to open for us today. So, what I will tell you is, uh, with the remainder of the games, you're gonna watch Frank Vampire for a second or two. There we go. Now we've got it. We're gonna take it to the top of the uh, Johns Hopkins game one more time, and here we go. And again, uh, to catch you up here, Deshaun Allen, a 73-yard touchdown pass from Keon Jones, 156 left in the first quarter. This is where it was 14-13 in favor of Johns Hopkins. Again, though, a full credit to WestCon for what they were trying to pull off in this game and the way they were doing it. Uh, Johns Hopkins, Jeff Schrader, the 26-yard touchdown run with 13-20 left in the second quarter, made it 21-13 in favor of Hopkins. Hopkins would add a touchdown, 6.15 left second quarter by Andrew Rich, a four-yard touchdown run, made it 28-13 in favor of Hopkins, but Western Connecticut would come back one more time. Second quarter, 4.47 left in that second quarter. Deshaun Allen, a 74-yard touchdown pass from Keon Jones, made it 28-20. So closing it in here uh, was Westcon, but we're going to show you an offensive and a defensive play by Johns Hopkins that established the rest of the game. Second quarter, 103 left. Andrew Rich with his second touchdown. 35-20 to was the lead by Hopkins. And then second quarter, later on in that second quarter, you're going to see Keon Jones in the attempt here down 35-20, to intercepted by Zach Ailigood, and that would pretty much do it. The rest of the game would go all Hopkins, 62-20. to Keon Jones, almost 400 total yards, two passing touchdowns, interception. Bay Harvey, 316 total yards, three passing, two rushing touchdowns in the game. Then Union visited Del Val in a big game in the lower right-hand bracket. And we're going to start things up three minutes, 50 seconds into the game as Michael Fiore, who was eventually injured in this game, gets a five-yard touchdown run make it 7-0 in favor of Union. We'll see if he's able to go this weekend. Uh, as you know, uh, kind of the results uh, coming up here as second quarter, 7.59 left. DelVal answers as Louis Berrios gets a three-yard touchdown run. They would miss the extra point, though, so Union still led in this game, 7-6. Kicking woes continuing for DelVal this season. Then, at the end of the first half, DelVal gets aggressive, but Louis Barrios is intercepted by James Gillespie, and he will run it back from 50 yards out. Five seconds left in the first half, that's 17-6 Union. What a game-changer this was right here by Gillespie. We will fast-forward in this game. Fourth quarter, 5.58 left. Donovan Picatti finds Landers Green as he shakes his man and scores easily 24-9 Union leads. We're going to go very late into this game though. Five, or, excuse me, 26 seconds left and a fumble is recovered by Micah Bootman and watch him rumble 90 yards. So this makes it a game 24-16 Union leading but a chance here with an onside kick for uh, Del Val. And you're going to see Nathan Sullivan fall on it and end this game for Union, essentially, 
24-16 Union advances. Louis Berrios, 175 total yards, one rushing touchdown, two interceptions. So, James Gillespie, you saw the pick six, five seconds left in that first half. That was a huge play, one of the biggest of the weekend. Ithaca at Springfield. We're going to start here, uh, already up 7-0. Jalen Hines finds, a, uh, finds the end zone from seven yards out to make it 14-0, Ithaca leading. Then, for his second touchdown of the day coming up, it'll be Jalen Leonard Osborne, third quarter, 12-34 left, with an 11-yard touchdown run, a 21-0 lead. Fourth quarter coming up here, 12-52 left in that fourth quarter, and Blaine Hart from Springfield will attempt to uh, get his team to come back into this game. And uh, you'll see here the three-yard touchdown run by Hart made it 21-7. to and Springfield would have opportunities in the fourth quarter, as Cameron went a little excited there, it looked like. Uh, but Springfield would have opportunities. We'll show you the last chance late in the game, still down 14. Dante Vasquez uh, loses a yard and fumbles the ball. Derek Slyka with that fumble, uh, forced fumble, and Dante uh, fumble was uh, recovered by Danny Portis to end the game 21 to seven. Ithaca winning. Blaine Hart, 52 total yards, one rushing touchdown. Jalen Leonard Osborne, 191 total yards, two rushing touchdowns. Last but not least, it's Car uh, excuse me, Christopher Newport at Randolph-Macon. Carnegie Mellon uh, not, they did not make this field, but they did play a great bowl game. Uh, Halftime, 7-3, Randolph-Macon led, so third quarter, 12-11 left. Matt Dzirski with a one-yard touchdown run made it 10-7. Christopher Newport. Six minutes later, Cameron Chapman makes a it makes it a 14 to 10 randolph macon lead with a four yard touchdown run and so macon looking to add on here nick hale with 217 left third quarter gets a three yard touchdown run to make it 21 to 10 in favor of randolph macon 909 left fourth quarter david wallace a 27 yard touchdown pass from drew campanelli made it 28 to 10 in favor of randolph macon after trimming the lead to 28 to 17 uh, CNU tried to make it a one-possession game late as you see a field goal attempt blocked by them. They get the ball uh, past midfield. Eventually, they would get the opportunity for their own field goal from 45 yards out, and it is good. And that made it a one-possession game, 28-20. to uh, 20. But eventually, Drew Campanelli and his team are able to uh, convert this big third-and-four play, and that would essentially end the game as they could run out the clock 28-20, Randolph-Macon wins. Matt Dzirski, 189 total yards, one passing, one rushing touchdown. Nick Hale, 20 rushes, 68 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And that is the end of part two of crunch time. That's crunch time for week number 12, the first round of the playoffs of the 2023 Division Three college football season. I feel lonely when JB's not next to me over here, uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of sad. Uh, I, I don't know uh, how we're going to get him onto the show. I see call JB, but I, I just don't see uh, his, uh, his glowing face on my screen yet. So here's what we're going to do. In hopes that we find him at some point here, we're going to put up our three box uh, for our next guest who's uh, coming up here in just a moment. So uh, we'll, we'll hope for the best. We'll hope that we get uh, a little JB action here. Uh, but... We'll, uh, we'll see what we're able to pull off uh, in this show today. And 
I don't know. I, he, he says he's on. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see in a minute here. As uh, we get the right slate on for Luke Lanen joining me uh, now. And Luke, uh, you're saving my life here. Uh, you, you save your quarter, you save your offense's life all the time. But uh, you're saving me here as uh, we had technical uh, difficulties out the wazoo so far today. Uh, great to see you, and I will be seeing you actually uh, come uh, just about, what, 27 hours from now, 28 hours from now. Uh, on the sideline, I'll be uh, at the North Central Trinity game. How you doing, and uh, how you feeling about this opportunity uh, to get back into these playoffs, hopefully uh, for you, deeper into the playoffs? Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm just really excited to continue this postseason run. Obviously, we got to take it week by week. Uh, Trinity's a really good opponent. Um, we're excited to play a, a good game. Uh, I feel like most of our season, we don't get to play four quarters or three quarters even. So playing Trinity, a good team, is really exciting for me and uh, the rest of my teammates. Yeah, uh, let, let's talk about uh, some things, though. I mean, uh, heading into your last uh, game of the season, I think it was Augustana, uh, there was a question as to whether you'd even start. Uh, you you kind of got your bell rung a little bit uh, the week earlier. Uh, a lot of fans uh, took umbrage at, at the hit that uh, occurred that made that happen. Kind of walk us through uh, what that was like for you and how uh, you ultimately did uh, play in that game versus Augustana to end the season. And how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling really good. I felt pretty back to normal like a couple days after the big hit um i just had to enter like return to play protocol and i passed all the tests that they had me doing like the physical tests and like uh cognitive tests as well so once i passed those i was able to practice um i'm not i'm not in contact and practice anyway so it was relatively easy for me to practice without risking getting hit again so i just passed the test and then was able to play uh that following week well, uh, it wouldn't be a playoffs uh, not having you play, so we're, we're glad to have you back here. Uh, but I, I kind of want to talk about uh, playoff success. I mean, you've seen both sides of it. Uh, you went to the Stag Bowl and didn't win versus Mirhart and Baylor. You went to the Stag Bowl and did win against Mount Union, looking to get to your third Stag Bowl. But what have you learned in this whole process uh, with respect to essentially – you know, how to meander through these playoffs from these last two years that's become valuable lessons for you and that you can instill on your teammates that maybe haven't been here yet uh, to this point. Because as many people know, North Central has some guys transfer in, a lot of youth that uh, are, you know, special players that are able to get out there early on in their careers, but they haven't been at this apex yet. What, what have you learned over this time that is most valuable in this whole process for you? Um, I think I've learned that uh, like going to the playoffs is really is a grind just because it's a it's a long season. Uh, making it to the Stag Bowl, that's 15 weeks of football, 18 if you count like preseason fall camp stuff like that. And for our young guys, they're used to playing like 10 maybe 11 games in high school, and then they come here and we're expecting to getting to get to the national championship where we're adding five six more weeks onto their typical season so I think it's just really a grind going through the playoffs you have to learn how to manage your body um and just because like in high school I feel like that wasn't a big thing so now like managing your body going to see the athletic trainers and making sure you're prepared and ready to play the next Saturday is really important 
Let's talk X's and O's here a little bit uh, with this Trinity game coming up. Uh, it, it, to me, it seems almost unfair. Uh, two top-level teams meeting in the second round like this. Uh, you guys end up, and I'll ask you about this part in a second, you end up in basically what would be the two-line on the, the upper left-hand bracket, which, again, in terms of fans taking umbrage uh, at North Central, it, there was a lot of uh, that stuff going on. But Trinity brings in a very, very good defense. Uh, you've heard the name Caleb Parmel, but he's only one of many on that defense that you'll be facing uh, on Saturday. Uh, you, you, you kind of saw what happened in that St. John's game probably earlier in the season, their week one, basically. I mean, tell me what you see with respect to this defense of Trinity that you think makes them special, and how do you beat that defense, essentially? Um, I think they're really good up front. Their front seven is um, phenomenal, really solid guys, um, especially at linebacker and linebacker and D-line. They are really good. Um, they're, they're physical, but I think the way that we're going to be able to win is beat them with speed and also just be more physical than them. They might be physical, but uh, our O-line and our running backs are just as physical and even more physical than them, I believe. So, Yeah, I, I can attest to that. I've seen that. Uh, so. Let's talk about uh, some of the reactions from fans throughout this season. I, I saw you at the Wheaton game, and we all know about the battle-tested debacle uh, that I went through, and uh, they haven't let me forget about it. But, uh, you know, look, look I, I want you attest, to attest to something for me. I did pick you guys in uh, the national championship last year. Did I not? I mean, everybody says I hate uh, North Central, never pick them and everything else. I did pick you guys at least once in my history here. Uh, is that not wrong? Right. No, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, folks, I do pick North Central on occasion. We'll see what happens uh, later on when predictions occur. We'll get we'll get predictions from JB in one way or another today on this show. I already know how, what our backup plan is going to be on this. But, okay, what I don't control and what we called out uh, quite often was you guys not getting essentially the one line uh, in your quadrant of the uh, brackets and you were number two in your region uh, so we kind of saw this maybe coming along the way I mean is there a disrespect issue I think playing out here a little bit for North Central how do you see this thing I mean were you surprised to see you guys not on the one line essentially in region five and then basically the one line uh, that we would assume would exist on the bracket how did you react to all this um it could be a little bit of disrespect. I don't really um, – I feel like disrespect is kind of a strong word, but I I was a little surprised uh, during the playoff, uh, like the seeding show. Um, I remember seeing that bracket being formed in the top left, and I just – after they named, like, the cross the top one, I kind of just remember, like, watching it, like, just to see who all they would play, not really expecting to be in there. And then when we saw our name – we were definitely a little surprised at first to be in the upper left quadrant and not at the top of the bracket, but in the end, like it doesn't really matter what seed we have or where we're playing or who we're playing. We're just going to show up and play football. Yeah, it would be nice to have the one seed to be able to host throughout the playoffs, but in reality, it doesn't really matter. Well, Coach Spencer likes to say like sometimes we'll, we'll play you in the parking lot. We don't really care where it is, so we're just ready to show up and play football. So, uh, on a personal note, 
Uh, I remember you uh, during the post-game interviews, and I didn't really get to press you much on it uh, because uh, it was a hot day. We're all kind of ready to be done with that day, uh, which will be the complete opposite tomorrow. Uh, I think in the 30s, uh, if I'm lucky, uh, tomorrow when I'm out there, I'm going to have more hot packs on me than uh, Walmart carries on an average day, I think. But you you brought up, I think, uh, a shout-out to your fiancé. Am I uh, not remembering that correctly? And so, okay, young guy. Uh, looking at what the next steps in his athletic career probably are, ultimately, more on that in a sec. I mean, and engaged to be married? What ha- what happened here, Luke? Uh, I mean, uh, when did this all happen and all this stuff? Help me out here. Uh, so, I've been dating Jillian since our junior year of high school. Um, and then over the summer, we got engaged. And then our wedding is coming up in June this year, or next year, I guess you could you would call it. So, June 24. Um yeah, we just felt like it was it was right. It fit with our timeline with school and everything. Um, she does nursing. She graduates in the spring. So getting married that summer um, felt like the right time to do it uh, for us. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. A lucky lady for sure. Uh, you're a uh, true gentleman in every sense. I'm sure you're going to say the, uh, the reverse, that you're the lucky guy on this whole thing. But... Um, what what about next steps uh, for you? Uh, I've I've talked to, to folks, Coach Spencer, etc., and I, I know that people are out there looking at you. You're a great baseball player and a great football player. Uh, needless to say, for those uh, that watch the show, they know this. Uh, what what is happening next for you? Uh, are you going to complete your career at North Central? Uh, are you looking at other options out there? With this is rare air where we talk about a quarterback that might have the opportunity to get to a third straight stag ball and still have a year left uh, to play. W- what are you looking at for yourself here? Because I think all of the three are rooting for you in this whole situation down the line. Um, so I graduate uh, after this semester, like in the winter in December. So then I'm going to plan on taking uh, grad school so that I can finish out baseball and football here at North Central. I still have two years of baseball. I was given a COVID year my first year here, even though we had a whole season. So my plan is to finish out my career and finish out my eligibility here. Um, And then after that, I've had a couple looks from uh, MLB teams. Uh, It was just like one or like a once – uh, like it only happened one time. Like I went and did like a little workout for the Rangers. Um, but so we'll see what happens with that. But right now, I'm just focus on planning or finishing my career here for baseball and football. You're speaking of focus. Look, look what happened while you're focusing here. JB has shown himself. Uh, hold on, JB. I gotta get the right microphone out for you at this point. I don't even know who, where you are. There you are. Uh, J- JB is uh, is hidden in uh, some hotel room in uh, Connecticut, I believe, and he's been trying mightily uh, to get on. He wanted to say hi to you, Luke, uh, among other things. Here. <laughs> it, hey, Luke. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Well, all right, just a little uh, te- technical difficulties. Maybe it serves us right for not uh, doing a test run before we, we tried to hook up this morning. But the holidays, you know, all that kind listen, of stuff, what are you going to do? JB, listen, uh, at the end of the day, when I'm out there uh, tomorrow yeah, at North Central, my hands will cease to function probably in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about technical difficulties. I'm going to be taking all this video. I'm not going to be able to tweet. I'm just going to put – Touchdown scored and just put the uh, video out there as Luke and his uh, 
his team. But I kind of are used to this, uh, going this deep in the playoffs with this uh, kind of weather. I mean, yeah. uh, look, you're a cold-weather guy originally, right? So this is, this is nothing to you, right? Yeah, this isn't really that cold for me. Um, practice this week has been really nice. Um, so it'll be slight change on Saturday. Like, it was like 50 degrees past couple of days at practice. So uh, Saturday will be a little bit different, but I'm not used to. Well, uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, a really good game. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to go into, you know, the specifics here. I'm not going to say you guys are going to lose this game or anything like that out here and get myself basically lambasted just walking in the joint uh, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Benedetti Whirly Stadium, uh, you know, it's a great place to be, but if you pick against the uh, North Central Cardinals, it ain't so great uh, for the guy uh, on the sideline. But, uh, and I'm still invited, apparently, to the uh, tailgate. I may need a taste tester to make sure I'm not being poisoned in the process uh, tomorrow, uh, but, but I will definitely enjoy something. But, uh, Luke, <laughs> I wanted to thank you for joining us. Uh, despite the technical difficulties, uh, always a pleasure, my friend, and uh, we'll see where this goes. Might be seeing you in Salem for Stag Bowl 50, but you still got some big games in front of you here to get there in the first place. Let me uh, let you give any shout-outs to family, friends, fiancés, uh, teammates, etc. Oh. that might be out there. Luke Lane, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, I'll shout-out my family. They just came up for Thanksgiving, so it was good to see them yesterday. Um, shout-out my fiancé and her family. Uh, shout-out my teammates, my coaches at North Central. Shout-out the O-line. Um, yeah, that's what I got. That's uh, that's great, and uh, like I said, I will see yeah. you tomorrow. As long as my flight goes better than this show has gone so far, uh, we'll be all good uh, tomorrow morning, uh, and uh, we'll see where this goes. Again, on my ballot, number three versus number one uh, in the second round of the playoffs. It's an incredible matchup. Luke, best yeah. of luck to you and your team and everybody out there uh, tomorrow afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Luke Lannon joining us okay. here on In the Huddle. Oh, so, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess maybe that old uh, that old code that we used for the last six seasons just got killed or something. I, I tried the software. I tried the phone with Wi-Fi, without Wi-Fi. I did everything under my power to try to log on, and all of a sudden, you know, I came into my you know my room here. I'm telling Jen, I, I don't know, I have to give up. And then this other code comes in, and of course pops up right right up no problem so who knows what's going on uh, just one of those days um and i hope you had a nice thanksgiving up there in boston spa we had a nice uh quiet night here in in connecticut so we've been enjoying our our time but uh we're hoping our flight back today doesn't get delayed three and a half hours like our flight here did <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish you the best on that. I, I wish the same for me tomorrow. I can only imagine how yeah. this is going to go uh, after watching what happened with the Buffalo situation and everything else. Being at mm -hmm. Buffalo, Zach Boy's coming up in a uh, little bit. He's uh, in our queue, so ready to go. Right. Uh, but uh, a couple things I want to look at here with you. Uh, we'll go lower right bracket first because uh, I cover the uh, left side so far. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Uh, the lower right Johns Hopkins bracket, Union defeating number 24 Del Val could be considered an upset by yep. some, but Union was a heavy favorite mm -hmm. based on uh, D3 football in our picks. And Ithaca was also a strong favorite to win despite being on the road. Your games coming up will be Union at Johns Hopkins and Ithaca at Randolph-Macon. I mean, I, and I agree with you. I, I think Union Del Val, you know, I said it to Coach Poppy, I'll say it now. I said you can win this game when I uh, was uh, – 
talking with him uh, after the Sunday yeah. selection show. Uh, and, you know, it just came down to Del Val was the most beatable we've seen them, though they didn't lose except to Cortland uh, this season. Uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. they still have their streak in the Mac alive and everything else, but they just, it seemed like a different season for Del Val. Union, opportunistic, that big uh, INT return to pick, pick six, six there. Yeah. That was a game changer. Uh, you know, just general thoughts uh, on that side of the bracket. Well, you know, I, you know, as much as I, there are certain um, fans in D3 that sort of want to disparage the right side as being, you know, the weaker or the lesser of, I mean, you got to look at the games themselves and, and they're competitive, they're evenly matched, they're actually in many cases better than what we saw in the first round. Um, so there has to be something for that. At the end of the day, the NCAA tournament for football is about access, it's about conference champions. I mean, we're not going to be able to change that uh, until maybe with this playoff expansion to 40 teams, we could see some different things shake shake it up a little bit. But, you know, this this upcoming Saturday, all the best games, in my opinion, with one exception being sort of the 1A between Trinity and North Central, are on the right side of the bracket. They're going to be the most competitive, the most compelling. The other ones have very clear favorites. Um, well, three of the four uh, on the left side have very clear favorites, in my opinion, and could be over at halftime. So I'm I'm for you know exciting football games, that stuff that's entertaining to watch that we can talk about on this show when I can connect to it, you know. <laughs> so that's what I'm looking forward to. The, the right side is going to be the right side for um, Saturday's viewing. And we'll talk about upper right uh, uh, portion of it now uh, as Mount Union's Braxton Plunk became the new yardage uh, leader uh, for passing yeah. with 14,356 yards. Congratulations to him. Not and the done bracket, yet uh, The bracket with the one true upset, or we're kind of calling it, uh, which is the Grove City uh, win versus uh, Susquehanna. And uh, JV is uh, frozen yep. up. There we go. We got him back. Uh, but it'll be Alma versus Mount Union, Grove City versus Cortland. Um, and let's go to uh, our uh, Cortland. Here, okay. Never mind. I'll shut up. Let's go. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's go. Let's go to our Cortland unit here and uh, talk to Zach Boys, junior quarterback from Cortland. What's interesting in the connection I was alluding to uh, at the top of the show when I was just vamping for my life, basically without JV mm-hmm. here, was uh, we have two quarterbacks who are high-level quarterbacks in these playoffs that are juniors. Luke Lanin, who's mm. won uh, the Stag Bowl and appeared twice. Zach Boyce, who would like to appear in his first one this year and uh, maybe have uh, one more uh, left after that next year. Zach, uh, you know, it's great to have you join us here. And how are you feeling after that big win versus Endicott last weekend? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for you guys for uh, having me on. I, uh, I appreciate it. It's been a uh, been long due, um, but I'm feeling great. You know, it's 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 good to get get some wins in in November and, and sneak out some tough wins. Um, so everything's going good. What did you learn in the uh, Randolph-Macon playoff game last year that was useful in uh, this first game? Because again, it was a tight game and it could have gone the wrong way ultimately for you. But in this case, you guys pull it out. What did you learn last year that was useful? I think just to stick together for 60 minutes. Uh, that was the biggest thing. We played a very good uh, first half versus a really good Randolph-Macon team. Um, they fly around, that's for sure. They make a bunch of plays. They make you make plays. Uh, they're fast. Um, and I think it was just we kind of got a little satisfied at, at halftime. Uh, we took the foot off the gas <coughs> as offense. And, um, you know, you can't do that against good teams. Um, so I think that was just kind of our main thing is, 
you know, play together for 60 minutes, have faith in, in both sides of the ball, and um, good things will happen. Well, Zach, I appreciate you joining us, old guys. I know you were on D1 uh, Rejects with Kobe earlier in the week, and I imagine it was probably fun to, to talk to somebody a little closer to your age. But we've, we, you know, we've had a lot of fun watching your career um, over the last couple of years, and and I think what makes you guys so interesting is the fact that your, you know, your offense can be so creative, so. Um, you know, so explosive in different ways. You can throw the ball deep. You've got some great receivers um, and you've got some great running backs to hand the ball off to. But tell us a little bit about the, the guys you don't hear about as much. The offensive line, uh, I imagine they probably ate a lot of turkey yesterday. They're big dudes, right? They got to, you know, they got to pad up for uh, for the big game. Um, tell us about those guys and, and what they've really done for you so far this season. Ozzy, they've been great, man. We had uh, we've been moving a lot of guys around. We've had some injuries up there, um, so we haven't had kind of the all five play like we had last year or the year before. Um, so you know, we've had a bunch of guys that had to come in and step up and and play well. And uh, huge shout out to Coach Raj, man. He gets those guys ready each week, um, and they they're all prepared. They all play very very hard, very aggressive. Um, they're phys they're a physical group, and you know, going up against our D line every day, they gotta be. Um, those guys have battles and practices every day. I'm happy that I got a yellow jersey on, you know. Um, but they've been they've been huge for us um, all year. You know, it starts up front, and they don't really get all the all the recognition they deserve. Um, but I couldn't have done it without them. No, our offense wouldn't be as as good as it is without them. Um, but like I said, huge shout out to Coach Ross for for getting those guys right each week. Zach, uh, it looked like you guys were on a collision course for a rematch uh, of the Susquehanna game. And a funny thing happened with seven seconds left in uh, Sealands Grove uh, last week, uh, where Grove City pulls one out. Uh, the rabbit came out somewhere there, and they end up winning the game 21-20, to and you end up hosting as a result of that, because you would not have hosted this game if it was a Susquehanna-Cortland matchup, as we have grown to learn on these, how these brackets work, ultimately. People, though, still say this is a great matchup, especially how uh, the defense from Grove City will match up against your offense. What have you seen on film? What, what's your uh, thoughts in terms of what they do well, and how do you beat them? Same question I asked Luke about uh, Trinity. I'm going to ask you right now about Grove City. Yeah, I mean, they beat Susquehanna. It says we lost Susquehanna. You know, it's it's simple. They're a very good team. They're very physical. Um you know, they limit the game. They have an awesome running attack. So, you know, we got to value our possessions. Um, you know, we got to match their physicality. That's the first thing. Um, they're going to come in here, you know, try to try to make physicality a factor in the game. Um, and we got to be able to, to match that energy. Um, and I'm excited for our guys to do that. Um, you know, we got to be able to win one-on-one win -on -one matchups like every week. Um, and the ba main thing is we got to just take what they give us. You know, we that's that's kind of our, our model throughout the whole year. Um, and our guys kind of know that um, going into each week, it might be different than, than what we prepared, and we just got to be ready for uh, for whatever they throw at us and go out there and execute and score as many points as we can as an offense. Um, and, you know, get a, keep our defense rested, uh, give them give them some breaks when they need it, and uh, just go play play Cortland football. Was, uh, was the fact that the game was going to be home this weekend sort of an added bonus, though? I mean, there was a lot of consternation initially that, you know, why are you guys going on the road? And, you know, there was, I think there was some fair um, you know, criticisms of that, you know, pairing kind of for round one. But here you are, you, you got a chance to have 
a team Thanksgiving at, at home yesterday. You guys are going to be at home probably. Um, if, assuming you can advance, this might be the last home game. What does that mean, especially for your, for your team, for your seniors, the fifth years, and, and, and so on? Absolutely. So, you know, it's the best playing at home. You get to sleep in your own bed. Um, you get your family to come up. Um, you can enjoy it, enjoy it a little bit more after. Um, you know, that, that bus ride home last week was, was not ideal. Um, in the bus ride there. But the thing about we, we play in Central New York, right? We play a bunch of teams from, from New York, um, and we only had one mm-hmm. overnight this year. So it was kind of cool to go in an overnight um, last week, you yeah. know, to, to a point because it's just us, you know, and we don't get that often. Um, so it was cool to kind of be with the guys. Um, we've been around each other a lot. You know, we all had Thanksgiving together yesterday, and um, we're a really tight-knit group. So I think the more more we're around each other, the more confidence we have in each other. Um, so it was like like kind of Luke said, we don't care where we play, you know. We're just going to mm-hmm. play. Put the ball down wherever you want to and, and get it done. We don't we don't decide that, right? Wherever you want us to play, we're yeah. just going to go down and play. Um, so, it was, but like I said, it was a cool experience going down to Endicott. It's a really cool, cool place to play. Um, but we're definitely – Happy to be home for Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, be able to be, be with our families uh, this weekend is, is huge. Yeah. So there's a guy in your offense that uh, you've really clicked with. I, I mean, we, we all know about Jaden Alfano St. John. I just love saying the name uh, that we can prove we can actually <laughs> say the name uh, in one piece. Uh, and J.J. Lapp, obviously. Uh, but Cole Burgess uh, obviously has had some highs and lows in his football career. And you two seem to have hit a certain level of rhythm uh, this season and friendship, I want to say, as well, watching you guys out there that uh, definitely exceeds last year. Tell me about that relationship. That's my guy, man. Cole's a, Cole's a stud. He's, he's a really good person above everything else. You know, he's a funny kid. He's awesome to be around. Um, and I think that's just the main thing is, you know, last year was like our first time kind of meeting each other, right? We didn't get to come in and, and uh, we weren't in like the same class or anything. Um, so it was it was cool getting to know him and just kind of being around him all spring. Like we just kind of talked about what we really wanted to be, um, hanging out with him and, and stuff like that. But the main thing about Cole is he always wants to learn. Um, he always kind of wants to know what I'm thinking. Um, and he always lets me know that he's open. Uh, in a good way, you know what I mean? He's not coming up to me and, and screaming at me to get him involved, but he always, he's always open. Um, so it's good. I have a, I have a ton of confidence in him that he's gonna do uh, that he's gonna do his job and be where I want him to be. Um, and you know, like I said, it, it's easy playing with some of your best friends, right? You you're playing with guys you care about. You're playing with guys that care about you. It's it's an easy connection to have. And uh, you know, I got that with all with all the receivers on our team. We're like I said, we're a really tight knit group, man. We all love each other. Um, and I think that's a big difference from from this year to last year is um, we're just a little bit older. We kind of grew with each other, right? So um, just being around. Being around all the guys, it's awesome, and especially Cole. Like I said, he's just a he's a great dude, um, and even better football player. So he makes me look good on Saturdays, even when I uh, when I throw a ball where where I uh, shouldn't. <laughs> JB, I'm going to jump for one more for a second here. Yeah. Um, those uh, who don't know, uh, this guy Zach Boys, uh, the last name is familiar. Uh, former Buffalo State head coach Jerry Boys. Uh, mm-hmm. father, son, and, you know, Zach, uh, I always ask you how dad has, how dad is, how dad has affected your life uh, along the way. I mean, you know, tell me about you, your relationship with him, uh, which uh, probably is even more profound than your relationship with uh, Cole Burgess. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, my dad's my rock, man. I, I, uh, I talk to him all the time. Um, I've always wanted to be like him growing up. You know, that was kind of my, my daycare was going in with him and, you know, watching football practice and snapping the balls of the guys. Um, but he, he's everything to me, man. He, I, I really try to, to be like him. Um, like I tell everybody, my dad's just always, he's always the same person. No matter where he is, um, he's going to be the same person that he always has. Um, so, I, you know, I model my, my life around him. Um, you know, he's got, he's been to two stag bowls, so he's got that holding over my head. Um, <clears throat> so I got to, he doesn't have two victories, though. So I got to try to try to beat him in that that category. So I'm always kind of competing with him, you know. <laughs> Say we always golf together and we're always you know talking trash and trying to trying to beat each other. But um, honestly, he's been a, he's a huge part of my life. I talk to him twice a week. He always wants to know the game plan. He always wants to know a bunch of stuff. So uh, he's still very much engaged in in my development as a player. Um, but I couldn't. There's nobody else uh, I'd rather have in my in my corner. Yeah, and, and I don't know if most D3 fans realize this, but uh, about 13 years ago, your dad pulled off one of the biggest upsets in, in history. And I imagine that knowing oh, yeah. that, you know, you've got you've got that part of the lineage, it doesn't matter who we play in, you can always, you know, you, all you need to do is score one more point than the opposition. 7-6 um, will still get you a win, uh, whether it's oh, yeah. a white water or, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, we wish you, you know, the best of luck this weekend. You know, we we've gotten to know the Grove City guys over the last five or six years pretty well. Um, great people. Um, you know, really couldn't be better people. But they will play their you know what's off and and really bring it. Uh, I imagine you guys will be ready for that. Um, so it should be a, a really great game between two very classy programs, and we can't wait to see how it goes down. So. Zach, thanks for joining us. Um, want to give you a chance to give any shout-outs to any friends, family. Looks like you already got your dad checked off there, but if there are any uh, teammates uh, or anything else you want to give a shout-out to uh, this Thanksgiving weekend, the floor is yours. Yeah, I got to give a shout-out to my mom. I have to give my dad that big shout-out. Um, I love you, Mom. Thanks for everything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, shout-out my, my the rest of my family, my aunt, my uncle, uh, my grandparents. I go there Friday nights. They feed me for, for my pregame meal, so I appreciate that. Uh, my sister and my brother have been very supportive. You know, they're the best. Um, and uh, shout out to my guys on 18 or uh, on Reynolds Avenue. Uh, we got like 20, 25 guys all live on the same block. Um, oh, so boy. it's pretty cool kind of being <laughs> all with each other and having a good Thanksgiving with each other. Um, so shout out my guys um, and shout out my own line. Right. So I, I got to say one thing before I let you go. I wish we could mic you up during a football game, Zach, because having been close enough to you on sideline, I, I mean, let, let's put it aside the, the touchdown versus Brockport where you said uh, essentially that, that you thought they were, uh, they thought they were going to hold us to nothing or something like that. Uh, and uh, then the stuff you say in the sideline, Zach, you, you have, let's say the the uh mouth game going on on the sideline for sure fire and a dragon me. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, man. for I'm for a junior i want to win as much as anybody else so yeah. I, I i i wish we could mic you up we'd have to probably you know edit some stuff out for coach fitzpatrick's oh, yeah. uh advocation but uh you you are something else out there and i actually enjoy immensely going to a Cortland game just for that fact of uh, hearing you out there uh, you know you got coach Fitz who's kind of the reserve guy but will get angry as hell if you uh, do something wrong and then you got Zach <laughs> who's kind of you know the class clown of sorts but also the you know the 
fire, as you said, of the dragon uh, on the sideline as he's blown out there. So, Zach, it's been a pleasure so far. I'm excited by the fact that we have one more year with you uh, next year. Yeah. Uh, but first things first, let's see what happens in this playoff run for Cortland. Best of luck. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate all you do. Thank you. Thanks, man. Zach Boys from yeah. Cortland, junior quarterback. How are you feeling over there, buddy? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind less than forty eight hours. I mean, the the flight got you know getting in late. We barely got much sleep on on Thursday night, you know, uh, or Wednesday night, Thursday morning. You know, just busy visiting family all day yesterday. We're flying out this afternoon. It's just kind of bam, bam, bam. Got more family to visit. You know, that are back home in Florida. So uh, no rest for the weary. But it's been a it's been a nice it's been a nice visit here. Now we got zero on the clock. We can't we can't do this in zero. But actually, you know what? Yeah, it's only eight with games. Only eight so games we be able to yeah. This. Well, that, that's I, I'm taking the uh, the clock off. You may want to lower your camera or your head on the camera a little bit there because you're going to cut yourself off. Uh, there you go. Uh, other 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 way. <laughs> other way. This there way. You, go. Yep. You, you can see it. I think. There you go. Uh, but uh, we're, we're not even going to play the music uh, at this point. We're just going to go with this and talk about the eight games and a little bit more depth than we normally would. And uh, let's uh, let's see where we land. Uh, you lead by one. Uh, I won 16-0. You won 15-1 last week. So uh, that's a rarity yeah. uh, in and of itself. Grove City, man. But That was it. Yeah, that was the key. Okay, let's uh, go here. Uh, and I will start here. Uh, Aurora at Lacrosse. Actually, I should drag my scores uh, from Quick Hits over to here. So, yeah, if you give me a moment, I will uh, grab those. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be uh, lacrosse in this game, I think. Uh, I I talked about it earlier in the show, Aurora having some issues, I think, with uh, injuries. uh, And so that's going to pose a little bit of a problem trying to move that ball offensively for them. So I'm going to say that uh, Aurora is going to struggle a little bit against a a top-notch team like lacrosse. 31-20, 31-20, lacrosse wins the game I have. Yeah, it's hard to, to, to put the pressure of a second-round playoff game against the number two, three, four, wherever they're ranked, you know, team in the country. Um, WIAC champs, it's a the, – the, they should win pretty comfortably, I'd say, 35-20. to 20. Then, as I said, number mm-hmm. three versus number one on my ballot, and not very far off on many people's ballots in that respect. Yeah. Trinity at North Central. Uh, take it away. Well, it's funny. Um, a, a friend said, "Don't be afraid to to pick the Tigers and and you know prove everybody wrong." There there is a lot of confidence coming from San Antonio, and and uh, I don't you know see why not. I mean they they are a very senior laden team. There's a lot of speed. There's a lot of um, talent there. I just. You know, when I think about the the Barry game that I saw in person, and you know how the Vikings receivers did get behind that secondary every once in a while, I know everyone thinks of Luke Lennon as, you know, as, as guy, he's got he can run the ball. You know, they've got this power eye rushing attack with that big offensive line. You know, Hardy could have a big game here potentially, and so this I could see this as as a shootout, but I do feel like in the long run the Cardinals are just. I mean, they're the defending champions for a reason. They're they're almost like not really a D three team in many respects when you look at the the size and speed that they have. 
Um, and they're they're at home. It's you know we can't really pick against the champs. So I'll say that it'll be a, it'll be a close one. But the Cardinals will pull away late. Uh, maybe tack on some insurance scores in the fourth quarter. Uh, Luke will probably have to play the whole game in this one based on on the on the Trinity defense. But I think ultimately it's going to be like a forty one to twenty eight type of game. Yeah, I, I have it a little bit tighter. I, I think the Trinity defense is uh, the X factor here. Uh, and, okay. I, you know, trying to break down this offense and the size of the offense will be unique for them, okay? This is not your average game. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor and St. John's may have prepped them a little bit for this, but they're, they're not North Central's lines. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think it will play out interestingly. I don't see a runaway here. I don't. And uh, I, I, I hope not. We'll say North Central wins 27-21. I just think that what here, here's the key to me to win this game for Trinity. Time of possession. Prolonged drives. Short passing game fortified by the run game. Shrink the game. Okay? You mm. are the underdog here no matter how you want to view yourself you are the underdog for a reason this team has been to two straight stag bowls make it three isn't it uh going back to uh pre-covid yep so this is not an accident folks okay and uh they are very battle tested north central just trust me on that (laughs) they're battle tested okay folks uh so uh, Trinity needs to basically try to shorten this game. But again, North Central wins this game 27-21 on my uh, card here. Okay, next up. In the Wartburg bracket, Whitworth at Wartburg. Wartburg. A lot of W's uh, through this uh, end of the bracket. In fact, four W's uh, in the center of the bracket. Yeah. Whitworth at Wartburg. Uh, I'm going to stick with Wartburg here. Just think this is a matchup that favors them very well. Their defense is going to step up and really thwart Whitworth at times in this game. I don't see this being close. I think it's 34-10 to 10 in favor of Wartburg as a result. Yeah, well, I, I think Ewing and, and the Pirates will give, make this a little more interesting than we think. I also feel like Wartburg isn't as strong as they were last year, at least offensively. So I'll, take, I'll still take them to win the game. But it'll be a little bit closer, like a 27 27- uh, 14, 17 type of game. Interesting. And I don't fault you for that because I, I, you just don't know what Wartburg offense is going to show up. I mean, last week was great, but the rest of the season mm-hmm. seemed like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe that was a good warm up for them last week. I don't know. Uh, and yeah. then uh, coming up next, you'll start this one. It's Wheaton at Whitewater. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys like Thorson and Weeks will give. Um, the Thunder a punching chance, but, you know, at the perk in a playoff atmosphere, I think that, you know, the Warhawks will do what they always do, pound the rock. They'll, you know, take a few shots down the field and let their defense kind of lock in and, and, and try to make the Thunder get out of their comfort zone. Um, I think it'll be close early, but uh, Warhawks will kind of extend the game down the route, you know, make a few plays here and there and win it probably like a 38 to 28 type of game. Uh, I've got uh, Whitewater winning this one 37-20. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be tough for Wheaton to have the Giovanni Weeks show work against Whitewater right now. I feel like that defense mm-hmm. is starting to click, especially watching what they did to Joey Kidder of Bethel last week. I, I think, obviously, Weeks, to me, is a better running back, but 
they bottled up uh, overall and you know didn't let much damage get done by Kidder in that game. I think they are able to succeed for most of the game versus Weeks, not the entire game. I think he'll still have some yardage and a touchdown or two. But overall, 37-20, I have Whitewater winning. I'll start this one. It's uh, in the Mount Union bracket, Alma at Mount Union. And uh, it's been fun, Alma, but I just don't <laughs> see where this goes from here. Uh, you know, watching Mount Union finally get it together in the second half uh, last week, because that was, I said, it was a deceiving 56-14 to 14 score last week. Yeah. I was 28-14 to 14 for way too long in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and against a team that is inferior to a lot of the OAC competition, in my mind, and a lot of others, yeah. yet they couldn't put away this team very easily. And so finally, in the second half, they woke up and got things rolling. I think they continue to roll here. Alma uh, played good defense for the second half last week, but I just don't think it's the defense level they need to play against the Mount Union. Uh, it's going to be 41-17 Alma. Or, uh, yeah, 41-17 Mount Union beating Alma. Yeah, I'd say it's like a 49-21 type of game. The Scots might keep it interesting early on, but too much uh... – too much Braxton Plunk, too much, you know, Ruby uh, Jr. Um, down the stretch, so Raiders win comfortably. Before we go to the next game, I should uh, actually back up for a second here and allow you to name your MVPs because uh, basically uh, we have one player that we'll be maybe talking about in our next prediction. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, um, the Susquehanna defense hadn't really allowed many. I think only one rushing touchdown all season. So the fact that Clayton Parrish ran the ball as often as he did, scored those two rushing touchdowns is a big reason why Grove City was in a position to win that game. On the special team side, you know, Keith Green with that blocked uh, field goal return. I mean, that was really the biggest play for Susquehanna um, for most of the first half and, and kind of late into the game. Um, we just mentioned Alma. Um, if, if there is a guy who may maybe could give uh, Ruby a hard time, it's this Gage Nelson. He had like, I want to say um, double digit tackles, a couple of tackles for loss and, and a few other big plays in, in the game for, for Alma. So keep an eye out for him. He's going to you know be a big reason on whether or not the Scots hang around with, with, uh, with Mount Union, but Hey, Parrish's, um, been a, a bulldozer of a running back for, for Grove City, and the Dragons better be ready for him on Saturday. So we bring up the game here, uh, Grove City at Cortland, and I believe that is you starting this one. Yeah, and this is the one that I've struggled with because on one hand, you know, Grove City seems like that team of destiny. They have the ability to, to win those close games. We've seen them with Case. We saw it you know, with, with Susquehanna in the playoffs. But I feel like this year's Cortland team, after what happened last season, what happened to them earlier this season with Susquehanna has kind of learned their their lesson. And so they know uh, what they need to do to close games out. Even last week on the road at Endicott, even though it wasn't pretty, they, they, they never trailed. They were always kind of in control of that one, even though it was a close call. Um, so I feel like the, the Dragons will, will hold court at home, but this is going to be a really tight game, like a 27-24, could come down to a field goal type of thing. So close one for the Dragons, but I think the home team wins. Yeah, I have a little more distance here, but I think it's going away. Ultimately, uh, I agree with you that it, it's 
an interesting, compelling matchup uh, on how this plays out. And the Clayton Parishes of the world are difference makers for Grove City in this type of game, for sure. Uh, I just feel like there's just too many weapons, and we've said it before, offensively for Cortland, too many weapons for Grove City to handle. And so the last thing Grove City needs to have happen in this game is a shootout. I don't think they can win a shootout versus Cortland, ultimately. I think that they can win a good game in the 20s, uh, the upper teens to 20s, uh, but if this thing goes into the 30s for either team, I think it's over, uh, and I think it's Cortland that will get to 30, namely 31-21. I have them uh, beating Grove City. That's tough to say. It's tough to do because I, you alluded to our relationship with Grove City over the last uh, five years, yeah. and this is not indicative of you know our feelings for that team, Coach DiDonato, uh, Logan, Clayton, and all the guys over there. Uh, you know, our job here is to try to give predictions the best we can. And this is like picking favorite kids right Prove now us, at this point. Prove us wrong, this yeah. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be, we'll celebrate as much as anybody with either team winning uh, that game because we really appreciate yeah. both teams and what they've done. Both coaches have been true friends of the show. So never take these predictions personally, folks, please, uh, except North Central mm-hmm. fans who will always take these predictions personally. Um, I actually, I jumped the game here. Let's get back to Union at Hopkins, and I will start here. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. I really do. Uh, and I've seen Hopkins twice this season in one game that wasn't that tight versus Ithaca, and one game that was very mm-hmm. tight versus Muhlenberg. Uh, will Ajay, uh remember him? Uh, but oh yeah, yeah, it was a big play. A few people watched on Twitter. It was amazing. Um, no, it, it's, I, I pick the Ithaca game to compare this to a little bit to say that Union did struggle against Ithaca and is on the road just like Ithaca was earlier in the season against Hopkins. So using the law of syllogism, I'm going to pick Hopkins in this game 27-24. Very close. I wouldn't be shocked to see it go the other way. But I think Hopkins, Bay Harvey's hitting a certain rhythm right now. Uh, they learned a little bit after that Muhlenberg game that they kind of woke up with that hangover in the next game and nearly didn't make it through that game with a win. But ever since then, they seem to be rolling pretty well. That said, Western Connecticut gave them a little bit of a scare early on in that game, 14-13, 28-20, but they were able to put them away 62-20 to eventually in that game. So yeah. I think they learned a lot from that game as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I think the uh, the Hopkins defensive backs coach probably had a field day in the film room with his guys with some of those long touchdown passes. And, and Landers Green is going to probably have some tighter coverage. There'll be some different roll-ups or safety um, protection. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, the the Union win over DelVal was impressive. But if you don't have that pick six by Gillespie at the end of the first half, that's a totally different um, box score. And so I feel like Hopkins is just on another level than, than DelVal at this point. <clears throat> and at home, um, with the weapons that you mentioned, I do agree with you. It could be a, a close call, uh, but I'll take the, the Blue Jays to win sort of like a 31-21 type of game. You'll start this one. Uh, speaking of Ithaca, uh, if uh, Union and Ithaca get through, there will be a rematch uh, at our disposal uh, after all. But uh, Ithaca, Randolph-Macon. Mm-hmm is up first here in the South. Yeah, and I think uh, after last weekend, some people may want to ding um, Randolph-Macon and the ODAC. I mean, both of their teams lost their bowl games to uh, landmark conference teams that had sub-500 records. That was a little bit of a red flag. We saw um, 
Christopher Newport, who had a, kind of an up and down season, hang with the Yellow Jackets for a pretty good you know time there. But people also forget that that's the same CNU team that only lost to Hopkins by a touchdown. So the captains were probably a better squad than we give them credit for. And um, you know, while Ithaca certainly could win this game, I think with a with a freshman quarterback and some of the other you know things going on there, um, Campanelli having that experience that. Uh, you know, the comfort of playing at home, that will help the Yellow Jackets in this one. It'll be a close one, but I'll take them to win kind of similar like they did last week, like 28 to 21. It's tough to compare these teams uh, because of the lack of common opponent scenario based on distance and everything, but here's what I got for yeah. you. I think uh, Cortland is a better team this year than they were last year. I think Ithaca... Uh, is a little bit down because of especially A.J. Wingfield going out with the injury and everything else. Cortland beat Ithaca. Randolph-Macon beat last year's Cortland. So with Drew Campanelli mm-hmm. still at the helm, and I was thinking that Randolph-Macon may have even improved this year in the regular season compared to last year's version. I'm going to uh, give it to Randolph-Macon here uh, by that kind of lost soldiers by 31-20 to 20 to score. Uh, so yeah. Randolph-Macon, and that for the first time this season, we have completely matched our picks across the board. So there will be no gaining by I, me. Or... Yeah. I thought for a second there that you might go with, with your uh, Union Dutchman. I was I was wondering, especially when, when I heard that you were going gonna go first, I was like, oh, this could be where, you know, he 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 throws you know tries to pick the upset. But you know, like we like we've been saying all year, this has definitely been a kind of a chalk season um, in many yes. respects. We'll see if that if that changes. Um, we saw a lot of the the home teams or the favorites win last weekend. You know, other than in, in the Grove City um, Susquehanna game, that was kind of a toss up. That was, in my opinion, that was just a bad pairing by the NCAA. They th- those teams shouldn't have played in the first round, to be honest. Um, and that was a great that was a great game. And I think we're going to have some great games on the right side of the bracket on Saturday. The left side, you know, we'll see. My, my hopes are up that we could have an all time classic in Trinity and North Central. It'll just depend on um, you know how how the Tigers travel and how the uh, the defense sort of sets the tone uh, for that one because um, you know the the CCIW this season has been okay, but you know. We, we, we've seen a little bit of, you know, ups, you know, Augustana losing the way they did to Platteville and the Isthmus Bowl, you know, kind of was a head scratcher to, to me on one hand. And, um, you know, with Wheaton kind of struggling to put away uh, Mount St. Joe's last week was a little bit of a head scratcher to me. So I think North Central's benefited from a weaker schedule um, for a long time. I mean, Trinity, like you said in our, in our prior interview, Frank, the last five or six weeks has not been a challenge for the Tigers, but their first half of the season was brutal. And so they're, they're going to need to remember that sort of brutal first half of the season and ramp up for this game um, because you have a very well-rested, um, playoff-ready North Central team that's going to pull out all the stops and, and really bring it. Well, JB, I think uh, it's time for us to go. I, I noticed uh, you were uh, giving a wink to uh, somebody in the background, uh, probably saying, what, are we done yet, honey? Are we done yet, honey? So, nah, um, listen. She's good. She's good. She, she, she blew a kiss. She says, hi, Frank. <laughs> could, could could I say hi to her real quick? I mean, you know. Let's see. Hey, uh, hey Jen. Frank wants to say hi. <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> That's she just she's like I mean she looks beautiful but she's like I don't want to be on camera come on <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Well, love you too, Jen. Okay, he folks. Uh, I'm going to be flying tomorrow. You're going to be flying later today, right back home. So, uh, yeah. airports be ready in the huddle coming to at you. Uh, I will put all in uh, one, one quick plug. The, um, the guys from My Team Media, which is a, a, an upstate New York podcast, they focus on both high school and college football. Since there are three upstate New York teams playing tomorrow, I'll join their pregame show to talk a little bit about Ithaca, Cortland, and Union. Um, so if you want to tune into that, it's on YouTube. I'll, I'll post it about here. We'll, we'll sort of chat with them a little bit about kind of what we see in those games. And, and then they'll do a red zone kind of style like we did with the bracket blitz with those three games focusing on the upstate New York team. So if you either have a kid on one of those teams or you're a fan of either the Empire 8 or the Liberty League, that might be something to, to check out. Otherwise, you know, keep an eye on, uh, on Frank's uh, Twitter feed. We'll be you know, retweeting those and just following the games in general. But like I said, I'm going to be focused more on the right side other than that Trinity um, North Central game, I just feel like that's where the more competitive matchups are going to be. And so uh, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. JB, thanks for fighting through uh, today. Folks, thanks for uh, having patience with this day. We got it off the ground somehow, some way. It happens uh, some, you know, every, every week. Something uh, throws itself into the ring here for us to overcome, and we find a way by the end of the show, at least, uh, to do it. So, yeah. folks, have a great weekend. I uh, hope you have a great Thanksgiving and continue enjoying that Thanksgiving weekend. Bye, folks.